0: Hello, and thank you for joining the Brian Hornback Experiences, episode 91. And I've got another candidate that's running for public office. It's a candidate running for state senate in District 5. And that is none other than Kent Morrell, Republican candidate uh, for state senate. Kent, how are you this morning? I'm great, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on today. Oh, absolutely. Hey, uh, we'll get started because... you, you and you and your opponent both spoke at the West Knox Republican Club um, about a week ago. Um, Might have been this past Monday. I, I, don't, I don't remember. Anyway, you spoke um, the second Monday of June, which would have been the 13th, uh, at the West Knox Republican Club. You spoke, uh, and, and that, for folks that want to see that, that's up on my YouTube, and it's up on a, a blog post at brianhornback.com, so people can go and... And so, I'm, first of all, I want to apologize, Kent, because I remember you running for the U.S. Senate a couple of years ago. And and all, all I re- I remember seeing you a couple of times, granted, as you said, you know, you had to travel from Murfreesboro to Bristol. Um, so, you know, granted, you weren't in Knoxville a lot, although you are in Knoxville. But all I really remembered from that was that you were for cannabis. But you've got a compelling story that I learned on June the 13th about why you support cannabis? So, anyway, to kind of get started, one of, first of all, I want to say that until Monday, June the 13th, I didn't know your story. So let's kind of get into that. Um we're, I'm going to give your your web address, um, both your Senate. You're, you're on Facebook. We'll give all that too. But just to get folks started, you're from Knox County. You've been married for a number of years. You got four adult children. Just kind of give us the the kind of thing, and then and then you can go ahead and kind of start about what happened in 2000 and then 2015.
1: All right. Well, well I'll try the short
0: version. Absolutely. Right. You're
2: right.
1: 30 minutes is kind of
2: right. short for a 20-year-old story.
0: Oh, I know. I know.
1: I, I get it. All right. So I'm originally from Bristol, came to UT, graduated high school in 88, came to UT in 88. Love Knox and ended up staying my girlfriend
2: at the time high school she came the next year so
1: we got married in 90
2: um had four kids started the business things were going great i was in a car accident on september 22nd 2000 it was my son's third birthday um friday afternoon last run of the day on a small business i mentioned
1: right Uh,
2: so i got just on a on a side road out in west knoxville it had rained just a little bit that afternoon and this this person was coming down the hill and and, uh, I noticed, I had about two seconds to look to my left and noticed she had locked her brakes up coming down this hill and she T-boned me about 40 miles an hour. Wow. And I had just, I had just enough time to, to say, oh crap. And, and tense up and grabbed my steering wheel as tightly as I could, which was the worst thing I could have done. Uh, the impact ripped the thoracic muscles on both sides of my spine, my thoracic spine because I was holding on so tightly to the steering wheel. Mm. They, uh. The police officer at the time that responded told my wife he's hurt worse than he knows. She need to get him to a hospital. And I, I didn't want to go. I had I had stuff I needed to do. We had a birthday party for my son scheduled later that day. Well, the pain started showing up about later that evening and I finally went to it. I didn't go to the emergency room. I was gonna have a few hours from next it was because I, I didn't think it was gonna be that big of a deal. And the doctor said, uh, Well, you're you're probably gonna you probably have some soft Soft tissue injuries You're you're probably going to hurt For for six weeks Wow Six weeks I don't have time for six weeks Of course I didn't realize That that was putting me on a path For almost 19 years Of severe suffering So they they started Gave me a few weeks to rest And then told me I needed physical therapy And if the medical community Tells you something You're going to believe them Right I I started physical therapy Did physical therapy For um, had maser surgery In 2001
1: Um did uh, another year of physical therapy, and uh, wait—the surgery was in 2002. Sorry,
2: so two years of physical therapy, then the major surgery.
1: I had so many surgeries; it's kind right. of Wow! So finally, in 2000, at the end of 2002, when the major surgery didn't work and the physical therapy wasn't helping, they finally told me
2: they diagnosed me with permanent nerve damage to my thoracic spine, and the, and they they finally said. And what the doctor actually said was, "It's time to realize this is permanent, adjust your life accordingly." Huh. Well, my wife was a stay-at-home mom, and we had four kids in school, and, and I had already started losing customers because I couldn't take care of my customer base like I
1: needed to. Right. So by the by, by the time they and they kept telling me for two
2: years, "You'll get better, you'll get better," and, and I, I believed them, figured I'd get better. Well, that meant that my wife was going to have to get a job, and we're going. Kids out of private school, and we ended up selling our house and moving into the Carnes area. We were closer into town uh, where we were, and we put our kids in Carnes schools. And that that began, well from this point, from 2002 to 2019, I mean that was 16 and a half, 17 years of just trying to make it till tomorrow. Because my only goal at this point, I was in so much pain was survive until tomorrow. I I stopped thinking about the future. I mean, my life was falling apart because
0: of the results of this car accident. Right.
2: Well, fast forward. I had an experimental surgery in 2005 um, called radiofrequency ablation, and this is they use it for treating cardiac issues. Well, they started using it to to break the pain signal in your medial branch. That's Mm. an entirely different discussion, but it wasn't a permanent thing, but I got part of my life back with that. I was able to start working again started growing my company again, but I only got about six months of relief from that, so I had to have multiple procedures in this, so over the next eight years, because insurance required a test procedure, so over the next eight years,
0: I had 52 surgical procedures on my spine, wow. and then, you know, with the Affordable Care Act, that, that wiped all that away, I didn't get to keep my doctor, I
1: didn't get to keep my plan, You know, surprise, surprise, someone from the other party lied to us,
2: Right. So, anyway, insurance stopped approving the procedures that worked in 2013. And uh, you mentioned uh, I'm going to get to the cannabis
1: part. Right. Right.
2: Part of my issue was I don't process medications correctly. Right. And my doctors didn't believe that until I woke up in the middle of one of my surgeries when I was supposed to be fully sedated. Wow. And this was been in 2000. Seven or eight, when they started paying attention and actually making sure I was getting adequate relief. But I finally had genetic testing done that showed, scientifically, why I do not process medications correctly. You have a, a system in your liver called the cytochrome P450 system, where ninety percent of the medications you take are processed through that system. And there's there's eight enzymes they can test now, and they all affect how your body absorbs medications. Some people too fast, some people too slow, and, and most people, fortunately, are. Or average. That's why everything's based on what works for most people. Right. Well, the state, in there, uh, had the genetic testing done. Went to a new group. Got my pain level under control. But it was a, an in, a politically incorrect amount of medication. Uh, and the state thought that doctors writing prescriptions were contributing to overdoses. And the state decided to repeal an act called the Intractable Pain Care Act that protected doctors and patients that treated
1: people like me. Hmm when I got involved in politics
2: because I knew that was going to start personally affecting me well I didn't realize how bad it was going to affect me I, I started going down to national and making calls and talking to my opponent Dr. Briggs, about what was happening to patients and it was like talking to a brick wall nothing changed nothing moved anybody and sure enough in 2017 I was in a different group it was a lot more restrictive get drug tested every 28 days pill counts I mean it's, you wonder if you're in a role and you're just trying to function and this is what's happening to pain patients uh, this is 2017 2018 well, my doctor started pushing an implantable pain pump on me and I had already been evaluated for one of those and the reason he was pushing it was because it looks like a small amount of medicine but it's going directly into your epidural space and so you get great pain relief from that but the mm-hmm. only reason he wanted me to, to do that was because as he said the amount of medication he was writing me increased the, the average of his entire group and it was painting a target on his back and he was afraid the state was going to come in and, and audit him and shut him down and I, I understand it now but at the time yeah because I mean, him, him treating me was affecting his his his, his ability to, to function and make a make an income that's what he was worried about if he can contribute if he continued to treat me with the medicine I needed he might lose his practice completely so Fear makes you do terrible things and uh i think he feared the government so i turned down the pain pump for for four months i showed up for an appointment uh in march of, of 2018 they handed me a letter that says i'm being dismissed as a patient due to irregularities on my drug screen wow they wouldn't give me a copy of it wouldn't give me any more information and i was somewhat upset about that because you know this is my lifeline i i had to live my life in 28-day segments, because that's when my prescriptions were written. So I knew life was going to get very hard on me. Oh, well, when they wouldn't give me a copy of it. I went immediately to my primary care doctor, asked him to run a drug test. He did. It was clean. Yeah, it was clean. Well, the medicine I had been
0: prescribed was in my system. There was nothing illegal in my system. And so my, my primary care doctor started requesting my medical records.
1: Well, by law, you're supposed to send those within 30 days. Well, they didn't send it for six months. Because wow. what was not included in my medical records,
2: that drug stream. But they just dismissed me because he didn't want to treat me anymore and I wouldn't go along with playing his game of having invasive surgeries just because
1: it's good for him. Because he
0: because he feared because because he feared the regulators and which i.e. is the government, right? Exactly. Right. And this, and in this case he was fearing the
1: state government.
0: He was very specific right. about that. Right. Because the state made changes to pain management.
2: That affects Tennesseans. They don't even know that it's affecting them. Brian, did you know that Vanderbilt had a a world-renowned class of neurosurgeons that left the state of Tennessee because they can no longer adequately treat post-procedure pain? That happened
0: in 2018. I did not know that.
2: So we're losing doctors, world-class doctors, because the state is so restrictive on on pain medicine now that people can't get the, the appropriate treatment they need. Matter of fact, when my mother had knee replacement three years ago. They gave her Tylenol for post procedure pain after she left the hospital, got violently ill, almost killed her. She was eighty three years old. She's eighty six now, thank God she's still around. But no patient should have to to go through problems like that. Right. <laughs> so anyway, twenty eighteen, it was March twenty seventh. You remember those important days that my doctor dropped me. Right. My oldest daughter was was graduating flight attendant training for American for a major airline two days later so we flew to Dallas for that and I started cutting my medicine because I I knew I wasn't going to get any more and I decided we had two daughters getting married I had my second daughter getting married in April and my third daughter getting married in June and Brian my only goal was to make it through those weddings and then then I was going to decide what to do after that well got through the weddings after the June wedding we we got home and I, I stopped the last of my medicine and, and the, the pain came back with a vengeance. The withdrawal was horrendous. I developed anxiety and panic attacks and depression that almost killed me. <laughs> and I told my wife in June, I said, I said, baby, I, I've got a ton of life insurance. and I think I'm
1: done with this. I, I'm tired of suffering. I'm tired wow. of fighting this fight. And I was talking about suicide.
2: And uh, my, my wife did not appreciate that. She, uh, she, she did not appreciate that at all. She said,
1: "Baby, I didn't marry you for your money, which is a good thing because we didn't have much." Right. She said, I "Also, have not
2: gone through 18 years of misery and suffering with you for you to give up now. You better find a way to make it through this." So I thought. I thought about as a parent of a, someone working at a major airline, I, we could have flown anywhere in the world for about 50 bucks each. And I thought about going to Europe to try a treatment that's available there that is not available here. I realized if I do and it works I, I can't come home and uh, I'm not going to use street crap I'm just
1: I'm not going to use illegal right You know, heroin and stuff like that right. and a friend of mine said he said Kent before you leave the country why don't you try the local option and he was talking
2: about cannabis and I laughed because I thought there's no way cannabis is going to touch my kind of pain it's just not that's and I had been advocating for treatment options already and it had been meeting people in Nashville that cannabis had worked for. So I thought, well, maybe I should try this because I'm, I'm seeing some impressive things from advocates down in Nashville. But sure enough, this friend worked with me for, it was several months. We tried different strains, different delivery methods, uh, different timing. And it was microdosing is what it's called. It's, you use an oil-based cannabis oil. Uh, you dose it every three hours or however often that works for you. And that's what started getting my life back. But I went through a time for about 90 days in 2019 or 2018. Um, I didn't expect to see 2019. I I just didn't think I was going to make it. There were about 90 days starting in September where it was a breath-by-breath decision to take the next breath. That's how awful it was. I mean, I just can't express to you how bad suffering can be when you don't have access to treatment options. And it was, it was awful, man. I, I have new respect for people that deal with anxiety and depression. Um, I used to think physical pain was the worst thing you could experience. And it's not. I am just going to tell you, severe anxiety, severe depression happens inside your head, and you can't get away from it. At least the pain in my spine was 12 inches away from my brain. And it gave me just a bit of separation. But, man, that battle going on in your head, I have new respect for people that deal with, with anxiety and depression. So
1: wow. there,
2: there were people I went to and apologized for dismissing their issues with anxiety and depression after I had gone through it. And it's sad to say that, but I
1: think most people don't have a clue how bad things can be until you've gone through it yourself. Right. Let me take a breath here. Yeah. Um, um, All right. So I
2: finally get into 2019. I'm coming out of this misery. Um, I'm starting to function again, getting some of my life back. Well, on Memorial Day of 2019, after 18 years, eight months, and five days, I woke up without pain on Memorial Day
1: of 2019. Wow. That's 1,120 days ago. I think that's my count. I didn't check yesterday. Once right. you get over about 1,000 bonus days, it comes to yeah, them count every day. exactly.
2: But I, I do count my days now, and I, I try to take advantage of every opportunity I have, because I, I didn't think I was going to get a second chance at living, and, and here
1: I I've got a second chance. Wow. And I tell friends, I wonder what Lazarus did with his second life. Mm. I would
2: love to have a book of Lazarus just to know what he did with his second life. Well, getting into the summer of 2019, we we start making up for lost time. If, you know, if, if you haven't been able to do fun things for, for almost 20 years, you,
1: you cram as much life as you can in when you get your life back. Right. So we, we got more done around the house in
2: the first 19 days than we had in the previous 19 years. We went to the beach five times over that summer. Hmm. Uh, I've, I've got family that lives in Charleston and we went to Florida too. And I
1: just We just crammed making up for lost time into, into the summer. That's and by, awesome.
2: When August came around, I thought, man, maybe this is going to be a long-term thing. Maybe I Maybe I can start thinking about the future. So for almost 19 years... I mentioned this my only goal was
1: to survive until tomorrow if you're if you're in the middle of awful suffering you do not have the luxury of planning for your future you just right, don't you're, right it's depressing to think it, it was depressing to me to think this is my life the suffering every
2: day without adequate relief and that, that's a hard thing to, to cope with if, if you're you know at the, let's say i was 30 31 years old when, wow uh, when that accident happened you So I started thinking about the future and I started thinking somebody needs to do something about this.
1: It it, it disturbed
2: me that I was able to replace almost 500 milligrams of morphine a day, my sleep aids, antidepressants, muscle relaxers with cannabis, with something that you can literally throw seeds out and it'll grow. It's called weeds for a reason because it's so easy to grow. So it, 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 it irritated me that the state of Tennessee, put me in a position where my only choices
1: were suicide or illegal treatment, right? Mm. No Tennessean should be put in a position
2: where their only choices are killing themselves or, or breaking the law. And I hate to say it, it was a big decision for me to break the law. That was how big of a rule follower I was. I was brought up in the church. I believed the lies my whole life that cannabis was bad. That's what we were told. That's what we were taught. Look, if you go back and look at the history of how cannabis was made illegal to start with, it was a racist, progressive move to marginalize the community and, and
1: promote big business. Mm. I mean, cannabis, I mean, it's hemp. Randolph
2: Hearst owned a media empire. He wanted his magazines and newspapers to be printed on the timber that he owned in the Pacific Northwest. He didn't want competition from him. And then you have Harry Aislinger, who was the, the uh, attorney general in the U.S., when well, he was married into the Dupont family. Nylon, hemp is a competitor. Against nylon, it was big business, and then you had big pharma. You know, right. don't forget the cannabis was used as a, a mainstream medication for eighty six years from the eighteen fifties until nineteen thirty six when it finally got
1: outlawed. Hmm. And they 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 made it a racist issue by calling it marijuana. That
2: was a Mexican racist slang Mexican term for for cannabis. They just changed the name of it. Cannabis and marijuana are the exact same thing. And I've had I've had conversations with state reps and senators that literally thought there was a difference between, I had one tell me once, well, I'm I'm pro-cannabis, but I'm anti-marijuana. And I said, it's the same thing. And and the look on, after we talked, the look on his face of disgust that he had been lied to that there was a difference, he got it. So, I mean, right now, Big big Pharma is in the business of of creating customers. They're not in the business for creating cures. And we have turned our healthcare business and, and industry over to big pharma and big insurance where we
1: are the commodity commodity that they are using to make money
0: on. So, so, in, so in 2015, um, this act that Dr. Briggs, um, I mean, you were, you were face to face as was you and Dr. You and Dr. Briggs, um, were both at that meeting on the 13th of June and there was about 30 other people there, but, but, but you looked at him and you said, you know, you voted to repeal the act in 2015. Um, so obviously since 2015, you've been advocating, I, th- I think for an organization called safe access, Tennessee. That's correct. So they, they, how, how, they invited me to be a board member right. back in 2017 and been working with them. Since right. So, so how have those conversations with, with now your opponent gone over the last several years? I mean, obviously he's a medical doctor and, and, you know, you obviously had some experience, but. Has he been receptive um, to the things that you've talked about? Um, Let me tell
2: you where he stands on this. And I've had many discussions with him, talked to him for many, many hours. We had a meeting back in February that went almost, it was three hours and 40 minutes. So here's here's what Dr. Briggs will say. He will say, I believe it needs to go through the FDA approval process. We need to know how it works. Well, there are no known overdoses to cannabis use. I mean, if you use too much cannabis, you're gonna feel awful. You go to bed, you're gonna sleep it off. You're not gonna die. You're not gonna get brain damage. There are no known
0: there's there's no known overdoses, right? Right.
2: No known overdose deaths. Now you can you can take
0: too right. much. Right.
2: But there's no known overdose. So right. Dr. this now, somebody's going to say, well, you're just going negative against
1: Dr. Briggs. Well, Dr. Briggs has said these things. I'm not going negative. I'm right. just talking completely about his record. Right. You know, these are things he said. This is his voting record. So so Dr. Briggs will say, you know, FDA approval process
2: for this. Well, if you talk to him long enough, he will brag about having never written a prescription for Oxycontin.
1: Mm. That's that's an opioid pain medication, long acting. Well, he'll brag about that. Well, Oxycontin is an FDA approved medication.
2: So while he's saying on one hand, he thinks cannabis should have to go through the FDA approval process. Well, apparently he doesn't trust it because he brags about having not written a prescription for an FDA approved medication. So I see some hypocrisy there. you know. And one more thing, Brian, do you
1: know how many FDA approved medications have been pulled from the market just
0: in the last 10 years? I'm, I'm sure there's been, I'm sure there's more than a hundred, more than a hundred and probably more than a thousand, but I'm guessing.
1: 13, almost 13,000.
0: Wow.
2: Um, So people, people think that the FDA approval process means the medication is safe. That does not mean that at all. I mean, don't put medicines out on the market. Like I took biox many years ago. That was an anti-inflammatory. Turns out it can cause heart problems. You know, that's one of those things that would be good to know um, that, wow, you know, this FDA approval medication can cause heart problems. Well, that's a stall tactic for Dr. Briggs. He just doesn't want to approve it. Because it's, it's illegal at the federal level. That's another one of his issues. It remains Schedule 1 at the federal level. And he, he believes. I, I'm very thankful for Dr. Briggs's service sure. in, in the military. But I, I think he believes what the government tells him, number one. And I think he's used to doing what the government tells
1: him to
0: do. Right. So well, that and, is- right. And, and we're, we're about five minutes out from the 30-minute cutoff. But I do want to talk about, I mean, uh, I think, I think we've got, we've gotten your story again. We, you know, we've got that story up. So, you know, there's some other things. I mean, obviously healthcare reform is number one on, on your agenda uh, when you're the next state Senator um, for the seventh district. I think I said district five, but it's actually district seven, my bad. 7. Um, but you also uh, some other things that that you, you want to do as the next state Senator from district seven, I'm sure Lieutenant governor is going to be mad that I, identified the district is five, but whatever, uh, parental, parental rights, tax relief, fiscal responsibility, education, obviously you're pro-life and you're a second, you're a second amendment guy. So you're, you're Republican. I mean, second amendment's a no brainer pro-life's a no brainer. Um, you know, parental rights. I mean, I mean, I think, you know, you, you talked about that in the, in the, um, in the video I've got up on YouTube from June the 13th, where you talk about um, where you did talk about um, where you had contacted to get permission in order to take uh, the, the COVID vaccine, which you didn't want to do, but but there was some, some parent, not, not parental consent, but there was some informed consent there. So to kind of talk about as far as education, obviously your kids were in private school, but because of life, happened and and some other things they went into public school so are you a are you a pro public school guy are you a are, are you an advo- advocate for charters are you an advocate for vouchers just and about I'm an, go ahead. I'm an advocate for options I, mean, okay. I think i think parents ought to have options if it's vouchers if it's charter
1: schools and i'm for what's best for students I, I think anytime you
2: have a government monopoly on anything it's a bad idea I, I think competition is best in all, in all areas. Um, so yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm open to, I'm pretty much open to every, everything educationally. I, I, I think we need to get away from this corporate model. It doesn't work. It's, you know, right. indoctrinating kids these days. So if we just have a few minutes left, the yeah. other thing that, that that's frustrating to me is, you know, Dr. Briggs sponsored the bill to give half a billion dollars to the Titans. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm anti cronyism. That's what that is. That's, Corporate welfare, I've given billions to billionaires. I'm sorry, billionaires ought to pay for their own projects. Uh, You know, Tennessee's going to have almost $5 billion in the bank by the end of this summer. And I've I've even heard Bill Lee talking
1: about all the good things we can do with this money. Well, that's not their money. All right, that's our money. If If they're collecting that much in revenue, that means they're
2: overtaxing us. They need to be starting cutting taxes. You know, the gas tax would be a great place to start. Dr. Briggs voted for the 2017 Improve Act. And that cut taxes on a few things but it was the largest gas in, gas tax increase in state history so he voted i, I, I can point you to the numbers he voted for the largest tax increase in, in tennessee history with the improve act and i'm talking specifically about the gas tax they'll have almost 900 million dollars collected just from the gas tax this year um the other thing you talk about parental consent parental rights dr briggs sponsored a bill that would have allowed medical professionals to give treatments and vaccines to minors, minor children without parental consent, like the HPV, the Gardasil vaccine, uh, that includes uh, emergency use authorized vaccines like the Pfizer shot and things like that. And and it provided immunity against the people uh, or, or for the people that were given these shots. So I don't think Dr. Briggs believes in parental rights. If you're going to write a bill and sponsor it that takes parental rights off the table, that's a, that's. How is that Republican? I mean, tell me how that's Republican. That's that's mm. the definition of Rhino Republican in name only. He's running as a Republican, but he's he's sponsoring projects for billionaires, sponsoring bills to take away parental rights, voted against cost,
0: constitutional carry. I mean, there's a number of go to my website and, right. and, and check and, it out. And, uh, yeah, and, and and that website is Senate dot com or your personal website is KentMorrell K E N T. M O R R E L L dot com, but you can also go to Kent Morell spelled the same way, F O R S E N A T E dot com. That gets you to the, the campaign website. Um, the uh, and there's a link from my right, personal page, right? Totally that, yeah, totally you, can you, yeah, you can go to Kent and you can link, uh, there's a link on there for the Senate page. Also, the Facebook page is Kent Morrell 2020. Obviously, Kent ran uh previously so that's why that facebook page is there but uh or you can just type in facebook in the um in the search kent morrell for senate and you'll find him there we got about uh right at 30 seconds so i'm going to let you uh, ask for everybody's vote and, and we may have you back all
2: right well like brown said i am running in the primary against dr briggs for senate district seven i would really appreciate your vote i think i think i'll do a better job fighting
1: for liberty and freedom in nashville
0: Thank you a lot, Kent. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you, sir. Uh huh.